0: Hello and welcome to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the intersection of the Christian faith and the arts. I'm Zach Osinski, a collaborator here in the Forefront Festival, and I am so excited to welcome to the show today, New York-based singer-songwriter, Melanie Penn. Melanie, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing excellent. Excellent. Uh, Can you tell our listeners where uh, you're talking to us from this morning?
1: Well, I'm actually, so I'm not in, typically I would be in New York city on the Upper West side, probably in my apartment, but this morning I'm in Virginia with my parents. Um, They live in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm here until tomorrow morning when I go back to New York. So hello from peaceful country roads, Southern Virginia.
0: All right. Excellent. Well, for those of you who have been following Melanie's career, or for those of you that this is your first time hearing of her, Melanie is a musician who through her career has worn several hats, starting in the classical music world as an opera singer, all the way to where she is now as a singer-songwriter. So Melanie, I was wondering if you, if you could briefly just take us through kind of the trajectory of your career and how you got to where you are now.
1: So I, What you said is right. I started classical training as a vocalist at a very young age and went on to study music um, at DePaul University in Indiana. I was a vocal performance major there. And then I, it was right around the time actually when the opera world and the musical theater world were kind of overlapping. Like there was a lot of Le- legit, people call it legit singing, that's the quotation <laughs> marks, you know, but there was a lot of legit singing happening on Broadway. So I decided to move to New York after graduating and work, like break into the Broadway scene. Mm-hmm. And I spent about eight to nine years doing that. And I, I did okay. I mean, I, I learned a lot and I really was in kind of performance boot camp that entire time because a lot of a lot of times i was doing eight shows a week and stretching my voice in different ways and kind of experienced the athleticism of that Mm -hmm. and at some point at some point during that i'd always been interested in songs so like Mm -hmm. Of all the musical repertoire I had been involved with, like just songs like three and a half minute songs just always pulled me in the most mm-hmm. and so as i as I was functioning in the musical theater world, I really just started to feel a a serious compulsion to try to write songs <laughs> and
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mm-hmm. it just I have no explanation for how it welled up in me to do to try but i eventually did and um kind of kind of as two things kind of happened at once like one thing is i i had this insatiable desire to write songs and as that was happening my desire to be in the musical theater world started going down so it was like an inverse relationship which So in a very organic way, I just transitioned out of musical theater and thought like, no, I'm going to I'm going to write songs now. It wasn't that simple. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of overlap because musical theater was like my job. So I had to have a job while I started writing songs. But um, gosh, I mean, I haven't I, I now just focus totally on the solo artist thing and songwriting and expressing my singing in that way.
0: Wow. Um, So just going from the beginning, it seems like as you've progressed through your career, through these different stages, you've kind of gone from a a place each time where the structure and the surety kind of become slightly lessened, if that makes sense. Because I feel like in, in classical music, you know, if you're groomed to be this classical musician all your life, Um, Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. This is who I am. This is my place. Um, This is what I'm going to spend my life doing. I'm so glad I don't have that problem that my friends have of having an undeclared major or something. Um, Right. (laughs) And so how is it? I I would imagine, especially going into a career as a singer songwriter, when the structures kind of start to fall away and there's less surety there. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you mean um, structures in terms of like the material, like what the material is and where the institutions are, where I could perform and that kind of thing?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, that's an interesting question because I think that I experience more structure now as a singer songwriter, primarily because I make the work. So if I want something to sing, I can write it. And I am able, I'm now in a place I never was in when I was in musical theater, because I can, I can, at my own initiative, find ways to perform. One thing that I didn't like in the Broadway world was, if I don't get hired for the job, like I don't get to I don't get to share with people unless I'm hired. So Mm. control kind of goes to the, to the, you know, audition people behind the table or the casting directors or whatever. And the powerlessness that I felt as an artist in that environment was really hard for me. So now, now in a way I can kind of create my own structure and find, find ways to perform and find the people who will resonate with me directly like in, in, in the classical music world, and I think in the, in the Broadway world, there's always an, a middleman, and the middleman is the show. It's like mm-hmm. you, you step into the show, and then the show gives you a vehicle to perform and share a gift. But right. as a songwriter, I kind of have taken that middleman away where like I can perform directly for an audience you know, and share without like like share share material that I've written. That sounds like a really narc like egocentric way to put it forward. But I for me, it's been really liberating and has just felt like, OK, I don't have to wait around to get cast in a show.
0: Sure. Well, um, and <clears throat> going off of that, in opera and musical theater, you are singing a role which has been given to you. Um, You are always um, kind of assimilating to whatever that role is. And it sounds like now in your career, what you're creating, what you're performing is wholly, it's yours. It's something that you have created. And it's a gift that you have, you want to give, and you know it very well.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I always, you know, I can never be completely rogue. Like I'm a big believer in artists, artists, not being like, Hey, I just make art for me and I make exactly what I want to make. And if people like it, that's fine. So Mm -hmm. I, I definitely always have guardrails, which is an audience and like, what could an audience resonate with Mm -hmm. and what could listeners attach to. So, so in that way. In that way there, there, there are like parameters, I guess, but yeah, I like, I, I just had an epiphany at some point. Um, when I was doing musicals that I was like, I'd like to sing my own words. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Like, wouldn't it be cool not to 1000 times sing words <laughs> and notes that someone else had written? Like, it would be cool to sing things I had written. So. Sure.
0: Wow. Well, I wanted to ask you, so when you get into the thick of these careers, whether it's opera or Broadway, singer-songwriting, there is a comfort zone that that comes with that, where yes.
1: you, know,
0: yes. you have your niche and you know what you're doing and this is, this is your life. Um, yes. So can you shed some insight into what it's like to kind of give up what you know, and walk into a completely new stage of your career. Now, granted mm-hmm. that you know, the common theme through all of these stages of your career has been you, music, your singing. Um, yeah. But certainly they're also very different. So can you talk about what that process has been like?
1: It kind of renders me speechless because I started writing songs so late in life and a lot of my songwriting peers, they were writing songs when they were 10, you know, like full blown songs. And I didn't start until my late twenties. And at the time I felt like this makes no sense. It's like, why am I doing this? I was like, I can't not do this, but it still makes no sense. And I feel so dumb. And I, I still, I, and I still kind of feel that way. Like, I think from now until I die, I'm going to feel like a new songwriter because I started so late in life. You know, like now I've been writing songs for a long time and people have liked them, but I'm like, no, I'm still learning what I'm doing. I don't know. Um, I think even if, I mean, no matter what you're doing, I think there's always going to be stages where you're initiated into a new skill or where like you're picking up your instrument again for the first time or Mm -hmm. something happens and you have to learn to play all over again, or part of a technique falls apart and you have to build from the ground up again. So it, it probably is a little bit of a myth, like, Hey, I know what I'm doing and now I'm established in this groove. And I just stay in this groove. Like, I think, I think even in those lanes where someone's not making a big career change, there can be those moments where you're starting over again. Um, my my cases have been really dramatic because I've been, I've changed mediums, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've talked about misery being very, a very guiding force in my life and I have found that misery will get me, get me through going through a comfort zone because if I'm miserable enough, which is what I arrived at in musical theater. So Mm -hmm. if I'm miserable enough, it will, it will push me through a comfort zone out of necessity, if that makes sense. Sure. That was Absolutely. a whole bunch of things. I just touched on a whole bunch of things. But, but, <laughs> but for me, I, I was able to kind of violate my own status quo because I became really miserable
0: where I was. Uh-huh. Sure. Well, so it's, it sounds like these career shifts that came out of a place of necessity – um, yeah,
1: totally, totally, totally. Mm-hmm.
0: So where, and, and I guess this is going into a, more of the faith side of things, but where did you and do you find strength to make these shifts that are so drastic?
1: Oh my gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and again, I, I mean, I talk about I talk about the the gift of misery a lot with artists because i think that artists feel things very intensely and so sometimes in those dark seasons of feeling like things aren't working it's um it's easy to take it as a setback but mm-hmm. it, it can actually be lighting the path towards something else or lighting the path toward an adjustment um sure. uh, and I I think that in moments where you need inner strength, like Christian artists are so well equipped to go through those moments because we have the Lord and we can trust that the Lord has a purpose for our lives. The Lord is also intensely creative, like the author of all creativity. So when the author of all creativity is watching over you as you're having a dark time, or like a time when the, the you know the way isn't clear when the author of all creativity is watching over you, like you can be sure that the there's an end like there's light at the end of the tunnel so i don't have any tech i don't have any like tricks for strengths in those times I just really I just really rely on the Lord, and artists who don't know the Lord are like where their creativity comes from, I, I, I would think are much less resourced to go through those times where they need strength because they have to rely on their own strengths.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, you know, it get back to what we were talking about earlier where you get to these comfort zones and if you are a classical musician and this is what you do and this is your it playing is your purpose? If
1: mm-hmm.
0: something happens and that gets taken away, yeah, then
1: major. That's major,
0: right? It's like, who am I? It's it, it's not it's yeah. not even just like, what's my purpose? It's who am I?
1: Who am the, I? That's right. Right. That's right. And I don't know. I mean, do you do you think? Like, I, I think our society is not very doesn't really know what to do with artists who are suffering in that way because we're still kind of in this post-industrial age where what you do is what you do. It's like separate from who you are. Like you have a job and you like go to a job or you like serve a function in return for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. But, But artists, I think, embody the whole like who I am is what I do in a very unique way. So when that's, when that's threatened, it's like very, very hard and it can feel very like lonely and hard to find support in those times, I think.
0: Sure. Well, you know, but something I think artists kind of pride themselves on is that the fact that we do feel kind of separated from kind of the industrial mindset of just like work, work, work.
1: Yeah. Um, and although it is work, work, although it feels like work, 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 doesn't it?
0: <laughs> right. Well, exactly. Um but I mean just being in a season of, of injury personally myself for for yeah. a bit. Um the it's kind of been okay, without a flute in my hands.
1: Right, who am I? right.
0: And what work am I doing? And what do you want me to do with this abundance of time that you've given me, God? Um mm-hmm. and the invitation has kind of been to rest, um, which I have not necessarily welcomed kindly at times because right. I say, well, no, I need to work. If I don't use this gift, I'll get left behind.
1: Right. Right. Scarcity. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Scarcity mindset. So do you, I think that you're, you're probably very, cause this is a place you're in. It's like, what do you do when like rest isn't restful? It's like rest that has been imposed upon you can feel, not very restful do you feel that do you feel that you're kind of get getting into a place where it's restful or does it feel rest, restless or like how are you how are you experiencing that
0: uh you know it's it's a process I mean this is the first time in 10 years where I haven't put all of my time into doing this and especially when you're in a do people in-
1: listening know? Do people listening know what you're going
0: through? Um, a handful of them, yeah. I'm just going through some back tension issues, so I can play. I'm I've gone from playing from three to four hours a day to about 15 minutes a day. Right. And right. What's been interesting is, you know, getting injured as a classical musician. It's kind of one of your worst fears, right? Um, mm-hmm. And. And in some ways I've been realizing that there's there's a certain amount of shame attached to that fear. Um, big time, big time. Like if I get injured, that means that A, I haven't been taking care of myself in some way and B, I can't practice and keep up with my peers. Um, yeah. And if I don't do that, then what's my, what's my value? What's my purpose? And so far... God kind of releasing the flute from my hands has been this invitation to step back and say, you are valued so much and it has nothing to do with the flute. You're I love welcome.
1: that. Oh.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so
1: hard to believe it. It's so hard to believe it.
0: I know, because I wake up and <laughs> like, hey God, what are we doing today then? and
1: I know, I know. <laughs>
0: um but the the invitation has been like, come and rest, and you are free to do that because your value isn't the fact that I love you mm-hmm. um and you know there it just feels like there's so much there's so much unknown and there's so much like impossibility it feels like involved in it, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just been this season of. I love you. Trust me.
1: <laughs> well, and and patient, and patience, right? Because like re- recovery, recovery from any kind of injury, physical or emotional, you know, or injury to your psyche, whatever. All artists know have had sustained these injuries and like recovery won't be rushed. So it's right. like learning the patience, learning to trust that God has a purpose in it. Learning to learning to silence or, or kind of protect yourself from the culture that you're in. I mean, you're in a performance program. So mm-hmm. like you said, like your peers are in the practice room and like juries come up and performance recitals and like whatever. And if you're on the sidelines because of an injury, you, ha- you have to shield yourself from the culture you're in and say, okay, I I have kingdom values. I can bring a kingdom culture into my experience in this place and, you know, take the time you need to recover. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a mind game. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but you're going to come out of this season, I think, with, like, way more, way more skills than someone who hasn't gone through a season like this.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it's got to be true. It's just it just has to be true.
0: Sure. Well, you know, one I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with um Andrew Nemmer, a uh, tap dancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we had him at uh Forefront 2017 and uh we had a conversation the other day uh about being injured. He's one of the smart
1: ones. He's one of the smart ones. He left New York. No, I'm just kidding. I think he got, he got an awesome job offer and left New York, but. <laughs>
0: sure. Um, but one of his encouragements to me was, um, you know, the flute may be out of your hands right now, but you are equipped with gifts that that contribute to your flute playing that you may have no idea what they are right now. Um, I love
1: that. I love
0: that. It, it almost seems like seasons of injury or of kind of forced sabbatical yeah. are this invitation to really learn who, what your purpose is just in being and yeah. who you, like all, all the levels of, of who you are. Um, yeah, because it, it, these seasons also bring up a wide range of emotions that we would often not like to think about or talk about. Um, mm-hmm. But that's kind of what rest brings up because it, it it leads us into silence and into stillness.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and you've got, I mean, I think artists, I think Christian artists talk a lot about like how they can be different, how they can send a different message to their through their work. Mm-hmm. Like how we I, I, I do feel that Christian artists, um, there's a good conversation going about like how to glorify God through gifts and how to how to kind of represent the kingdom through the expression of your art, the expression of your playing and whatever. Right. It's like but I think we don't often realize that we also it can express the kingdom to other artists have like an amazing impact. So if you go through a painful trial in your life, that is like directly impact that directly affects how you approach your playing. Like, are you, you, when you're not playing identity, like setbacks, whatever, lost time, all these things that artists will suffer from forever. If Mm -hmm. you can go through a trial early on in life where you are, where you have lessons and you have something to say about that, you are much better able to minister to your fellow artists as you walk out your career in life. So I think, I think also like artists, Christian artists get, can sometimes struggle more, but we don't realize that we're being given material to then help the other artists in the world who will come in contact with, who are going to need a message of grace and a message of the gospel. If you haven't experienced it, how are you going to communicate it? To others. So I don't know. There's something there. There's something there.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, Melanie, I, I I guess like transitioning here, I do think that's one of the great gifts that you as an artist in your work give to, to your listeners. Um, I particularly experienced that um, during Advent with your uh, most recent album Emmanuel, um, particularly, just because, for those of you who haven't heard Emmanuel, it's a, it's a great concept album where each song comes from the perspective of someone in the Christmas story. Um, Which you and, can listen to
1: all year round, by the way. All year. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, what I was kind of struck by and really encouraged by was that each of these songs, they – I, I guess aside from the Star of Bethlehem, these are all just normal people who encountered something that, by all accounts, should have been impossible. Um, yeah. But we know, and they experienced um, that it it wasn't <laughs> that they all experienced, yeah <laughs> find a better word um, yeah. they yeah. all experienced something bigger than themselves and they experienced the greatest hope of all creation. Yeah. Um, And so I I wanted to ask you what, in your most recent stage of your career, what has hope looked like for you?
1: Oh my God. That's a good question. I I really, I mean, I kind of go, I can go up and down in terms of like having hope, depending on my circumstances. Like, so here, so here, I'll go back on like myself, like when I'm talking to you about like taking courage when you have what looks like a a setback. Um, Mm -hmm. So if I, if I'm having a creative setback, like I will, I will struggle to find hope for sure. But then if I am... Putting work out in the world and it's being well received, and I feel like I'm moving forward. It's a lot easier to have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. so I am daily, every every day, every day, in the process of like resetting my hope on who I am in Christ, and mm-hmm. and that my perspective is eternal. The timeline is eternal. timeline is not this world like it's very possible that as an you know that my artist career Mm -hmm. it's very possible that my artist career will um, extend for eternity into heaven and I'm gonna have a lot of time to do all of the work that I long to do so Mm -hmm. when I'm able to like lift my eyes off of the the temporal world I'm in and shift my perspective to eternity i feel much more hopeful (laughs) for Mm -hmm. me i i'm a worker i i'm kind of have an achiever mindset so for me that's i have hope in work and like what what the work will be in god's kingdom um but for someone else it could be different like hope needs to attach to other things like what god has in mind for love or for family or i don't know but Mm -hmm. um but even in those things having an eternal perspective is what will kind of lift me up and help me keep going. And again, like I think I think only Christians can have a very holistic view of what eternity is mm-hmm. and and a very sure view mm-hmm.
0: of eternity.
1: It's important that eternal timeline I think is really important.
0: <laughs> sure. But like, look at
1: you, like these times, like these times where you're not practicing, like this is a blip, like this is a blip when it looks, when you are going to be playing flute for eternity, for, (laughs) for people you've never met, like you're going to be, you're going to be playing flute for people who are already dead and gone, like you're going to be playing for them. And, and this will be a blip on the radar.
0: (laughs) Uh Right. Oh man you know that that makes me think of of uh lamentations the um the the verse where um the lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him it is good wow. that one should wait quietly for the salvation oh, that's the so
1: good. <laughs> waiting quietly oh my god Right. So and you
0: just, you're just like dang it <laughs>
1: I know you're like, why couldn't I have waited quietly before? Now I have to be injured. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think God. I don't think God does that. But
0: sure. Um, wow, Melanie. Well, can you can you tell us what's next? What's on the radar?
1: Sure. I um, I have finished another songwriter album, and it's a pop project. And it is fourteen songs. Um, it is not as tight of a concept as Christmas, but there is as a Christmas album, but there is a concept around it which is that each song kind of ushers the listener through a stage of change or, or through a process of change. So from you know the first song kind of introduces a change kind of coming to coming to you on the horizon and then the last song kind of puts the season of change to rest and the and the narrator moves forward. Um, but I, I was going through a lot of change when I was writing the songs and I, I really wanted, <clears throat> I really wanted, I really want all the songs to encourage anyone who's going through a change or facing a transition that feels scary. So that's what the, that's the story that the songs tell and they're really like upbeat happy songs you know music pop music has gotten very slow and so Mm -hmm. i wanted to um i kind of wanted to resist that motion and make a really upbeat album so that's what i did and i'm looking for ways to release it now you know like a lot of pre-planning goes into pushing songs to market so that's what i'm doing now all
0: right
1: but i'm excited (laughs)
0: Wow. Well, we're all certainly looking forward to hearing it. Last question here before I let you go. Um, yeah. If you had any encouragement or even a challenge for Christians in the arts, what hmm. would it be?
1: Hmm. Challenge for Christians in the arts. Um, there's That's a very full that could be a whole like <laughs> week long conversation. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say the, the normal things, which is like, make sure you glorify God and commit your work to him and all that. Cause I think we know that right. um, I'd like to say something different, which is something that I, I have had to challenge myself with, um, which is, um, self-promotion and hmm. I think that I think that Christian artists can feel very they really take to heart um, God's you know you know Christ Christ's instruction to be meek and um, have humility and kind of like move into the world as a servant mm-hmm. and I think sometimes Christian artists apply those principles in taking a backseat with their art and kind of like, well I work hard and I'm a servant of the Lord and I just I trust that God's gonna do with the work what he will and that's totally true. But but there's also something to be said for having a lot of like dignity and authority with talking about who you are as an artist and like and like being able to say like, Hey, you know what? I'm really good and and you should check out my work. And I would love to, I would love to come meet with you and share a little bit about what I'm up to or like walking into the audition room with a lot of confidence. Um, I I see Christian artists struggle with this more than my non-Christian artist friends. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that uber confidence as an artist, which is what you need actually, which is what you need. Um, Is antithetical to the gospel, and Mm. like nowhere, like nowhere in Christ's ministry, if we're going to use Jesus as an example, does he ever downplay his gifts? He Mm. doesn't. He (laughs) says they come from the Father, so he's always like, "My, you know, I do what the Father does." But he's Mm. never like, "Oh, my healing isn't. It's it's okay." (laughs) You know, he's not like he's not like, "Oh, I mean, I teach. It's sort of true, but maybe maybe it's not for you." He's just like, "This is true." This is like, uh, he knows who he is and he always, but he always gives glory to the father. So I, I think that Christian artists can really grow in this way. Like knowing who they are, being confident in their work, like, like the worldly term for that would be self-promotion, but like, but like doing that firmly and then always giving glory to the father, that would be my challenge. There we go. There's my, there's my speech. It's over. <laughs> Wow. does that make sense
0: no absolutely um, and I only you're... say that
1: because it's like I've had to learn I've had to learn and it's been very slow and painful
0: right mm-hmm. well I, I do think you're right that that is like that is a totally separate conversation because like the, the question that comes into my mind is that why why do we think it's better to downplay our gifts why yes. do we th- it's better to kind of hide them um and kind of settle I, yeah. kind of false, you know
1: yes, but I do think it's because I think the intentions there are good because Christian artists like we we listen it's like we're we're in prayer, it's like we want we want to display those gifts you know those those qualities of the spirit indwelling us that that we think we should you know but Mm. on our own on our own strength like pursuing those on our own strength like you said does become false it's like false humility false meekness blah 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 and it'll Mm. just hold us back sometimes the most humble thing we could do is be like yes god made me awesome god gave me all these amazing talents you should check it out (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) wow
0: well Melanie, what a joy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so for sitting down with me and for talking and for sharing and um it's just been great. Well,
1: I'll be praying for you. I hope, you know, keep everyone posted as to your recovery. And just man, I, I love what I love what Andrew said to you about um the the hours like the 3 hours that you think you're missing every day practicing you actually have no idea what you're actually practicing now that's going to just exponentially affect your playing.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Melanie. And
1: yeah, yeah,
0: I'm 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 sure that that encouragement does not ring only true to me. It's going to ring true to a lot of our listeners too who may be in similar similar circumstances.
1: That uh, makes sense.
0: So, hallelujah. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Well, from everyone here at Forefront, thanks so much for listening. Further up and further in. Have a good (laughs) one.